This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Oh, but it's not Purple Daily. It's part of the Purple Daily family. It's Purple Access. It's Zolgad. It is Declan Goff and our friend Tyler Fornis, uh, who you can find his work, and he is basically going 24-7 right now at Vikings Wire, where you can also find the occasional Zolgad column, vikingswire.com, your one-stop shopping for uh, all Vikings news that you could possibly want. And seven days out from the draft, Vikings Wire, and also um, Score North, perfect places to be to get the most up-to-date information. Welcome to the show, sir, and let's just, let's rip the Band-Aid off right now. I have, I, I've covered the Vikings draft specifically since 2006, okay? I don't think I can remember a first round that has been as undecided. Like, I have no idea. They're, they could trade up. They could trade back. They could stand pat. Um, mm-hmm. What is your – what are are you hearing, and what is your gut telling you about what Crazy Adolfo Mensa might do in his second draft as the Vikings GM? Well, first off, gentlemen, good morning, or I guess good afternoon because it's 12.06 at recording time. But I, I'll be honest. This regime is not like the Rick Spielman regime. You had a, like you said, you had a real sense of what was going on. You also had parameters that you could go off of to try and project some of those picks. Right now, we have a very, very limited sample size for Quaysito Flamenza and his staff. And quite frankly, we don't necessarily know what his priorities are per se because he was using Rick Spielman's scouting staff. And they kept some of those guys, but they also put their own people in place got their systems, got their own parameters on what they wanted to do. And then how you approach the scouting element is going to be a little bit different because you're looking for different things. And when you combine all those things together, I only found a few things that I think we might be able to go off of as far as parameters. Last year, the the 11 players that they kept as rookies were all Power 5 guys. So Big 10, Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, ACC, all the players from those conferences. Every player had at least an 80th percentile 10-yard split with um, trench players having at least a 90th percentile 10-yard split. And then all the secondary players had at least a 90th percentile height. And I found that one to be very interesting. But we only have three players to go off of, so we really just don't know. I think uh, I listened to the show that uh, you did with Thor on Tuesday and talking about the chaos of potentially moving up for quarterback. I'm not buying any of the smoke screen necessarily that Houston's for sure not taking a quarterback. I do think it, it is a possibility because it's D'Amico Ryans. He's an Alabama grad, Will Anderson. You can put two and two together and it makes sense. Um, I've heard that 
Bryce Young has been their number one quarterback uh, pretty much this whole time. So if he's gone, it murkies things up a little bit. I had heard a couple months ago Anthony Richardson was two. Now I'm hearing Will Levis is two. So it sounds like they actually may be out on C.J. Stroud, which he's my number two player in the class. I am in love with what he's able to do on a football field. If he's available at three, I don't know if there's too big of a price, realistic price to pay to go get him. Like, is it three first and Daniel Hunter? I, I don't love it, but I'll do it because I think Stroud could change this offense and give us a one, a true franchise guy that won't be debated because Kirk Cousins, he's debated. Dante Culpepper was debated. Fran wasn't. He could give us our first real undisputed franchise quarterback since Fran Tarkington. And then you can extend guys like Jefferson, Derrissaw, and you don't have to feel constricted by a top end uh, franchise quarterback type deal. And especially with how crazy they're getting, like Kirk is almost feeling like a bargain, but it's, it doesn't feel like a bargain at the same time. It's in this weird gray area. Tyler, obviously the Texans could be a team that could move back. So they're probably fielding some calls. Who else do you could you see as potential trade partners and maybe specifically for the Vikings if they were to get up in the top 10? Who else do you think are going to be maybe looking to field more calls and potentially move back from the top 10 range? So I don't think the Texans will move back. I'll say that much. I think that there's a price. Everybody has a price. If somebody called you and offered you a trade for Justin Jefferson, I guarantee you there's a price for Kwesi Dofomensa would trade him. Maybe it's Houston giving up the two firsts this year and two firsts next year. Four first-round picks, you'd have to seriously consider trading him at that point. Everybody has a price for every single asset. And you you have to have that mentality. And especially as a stock market trader like Quasey, there's going to be a price that he's going to be willing to pay to go get X player or move on from X player. Um, I think that Houston has a price, but I also think that they believe that they can get a truly elite defensive prospect at two. And that's what D'Amico is going to try and build this team around. He built a really good defense in San Francisco. And while they had elite players, he also was able to put in players that weren't elite and make them really good within the confines of that system. I think they're going to try to do the same thing. Um, Arizona's been looking to move back for a while. Excuse me. Seattle is always a possibility. This is the last year where they have multiple picks in both the first and second round. Maybe they want to move back to try and get some more capital for next year. So they continue building out the confines of their roster. Detroit, you never know with them. Uh, Atlanta, I think, is a possibility as well. The Raiders, that's that's a really interesting spot for them. Um, I don't think the Bears are going to trade down anywhere past nine because I think they really want a higher-end player in this class. Um, and then the Eagles, they have multiple picks this year, and then they have a, a multiple seconds next year. Uh, as a result of the trade with the Saints. Maybe they want another first next year. I think there's multiple opportunities in the top 10, but it's all going to depend on how far teams are going to be willing to move back because not everybody wants to move back to 23. So how far, or I'll, I'll phrase it this way. What player, is there a player beyond Stroud who if he falls, like like let's say he gets past Carolina and Houston, is there a player beyond Stroud that if you were crazy that you would consider trying to go up and get? And how much would you, to go back to your everybody's a price statement, Tyler, how much would you be willing to give Arizona for the three if Stroud is there? I would, I would do it for C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. 
Um, we could have the conversation about Bryce Young, but I think at this point he's what pl- minus ten thousand or something like that to go to Carolina at one. I just don't think that's a worthwhile conversation anymore because sure. I I feel it's a certainty. But Stroud and Richardson have the ability to completely change everything about this offense. Stroud can make every throw. He can make it dynamically, and he has wheels. And Richardson is special. Like, he he has some inaccuracy issues, but you can see where the issues are coming from, and you can see a clear path to fixing them. Will it be fixed is a completely different discussion, but you can see that there's a path. It's He is so comfortable in the pocket. He wants to beat you down the field, and then he'll run if he has to. Like, those, like, even with, like, I'll say it like this. Somebody said it, and I don't remember who, but, and I give them credit if I did. But people talk about, like, being safe is having a high floor. Having elite traits gives you a high floor. Because even if you are sporadic in your performance, having those elite traits and being able to fire off, like, let's say one extra deep ball a game, like, you're going to see results from that kind of process. And I think Richardson has a very high floor for that reason. And like, I I just love both of those guys. And if the Vikings ended up with one of them, I'd be giddy beyond belief. Um, I think three firsts and Hunter would probably be the most I'd pay. I still think it's too high of a price, but if that quarterback hits, nobody's going to care in five years. Stroud plays day one. Richardson, does he ideally, like, let's say you, you go up to six and he falls and you get him there. Does Richardson spend a, a year behind Kirk, ideally, because of, you know, the traits that you're talking about? But in his case, they might need to be developed. Richardson's a weird case. He only has, like, 400 college passes. Like, he, one thing he needs more than anything is reps. He needs playing time. That's how you're going to fix some of these mechanical issues. That's how you're going to fix him rushing his mechanics. He's not rushing himself in the pocket. It's once he makes a decision because he's a very smooth operator going through progressions and being calm and collected in the pocket. And he can sense pressure. Well, only an 11% pressure to sack rate in at Florida. Very, very good. I believe it was like something like fifth in college football last year, according to PFF. Mm-hmm. When you look at all those things, it's once he makes that decision is when he rushes himself and he doesn't get his lower and upper half synced to make a really crisp, clean, accurate throw reps are going to fix that hopefully like you need you just need playing time it's like like a rookie hitter trying to hit a curveball you're not going to you're not going to be able to fix that in the batting cages you need live at bats and that's why like managers will give guys continuous at bats and let them go through these major slumps cuz you need time you need reps you can't get that outside of live game action and I would argue that Richardson should start day one for that reason. I also understand, let's try and fix the mechanics first. Let's let's just work with him day in, day out, and just get him to like stay more calm once he makes that decision. But I think that it would be better for him to play earlier. So is Will Levis probably the safer option there? I mean, is his ceiling maybe isn't as high as Richardson or Stroud or obviously Bryce Young. So is, is Will Levis kind of like... And, I, and I've seen this comp before, Tyler, kind of like the, the Kirk Cousins of this class. Like, is that kind of Will Levis's number one comp is turning into basically a Kirk Cousins type quarterback where he's, you know, between 12th and 9th and, and a solid QB, but maybe never an elite quarterback? So funny enough, my comp for Will Levis is Kirk Cousins with a bazooka. Like he <laughs> he plays like Kirk Cousins. 
he kind of collapses in the pocket like Kirk Cousins, and then he'll have plays where he just stands in the pocket, takes a shot, and delivers a nice pass down the field. But he can also make those throws that give other people reasons to comp him to Josh Allen, where it's just bozo stuff. Like, normal human beings shouldn't be able to do these kind of things, where he can throw a, like a 20-yard deep out from the far hash with velocity. He can throw a 60-yard bomb perfectly with an arc and just make it look effortless. Like, he can do those kinds of things, whereas Kurt can't. And that's why I kind of have the combo. I think of the four, Will Levis is the most volatile. 26% pressure to sack ratio, which is abysmal. Like, he kind of collapses in the pocket too much. But you just don't know how much of that is necessarily his fault, how much of that is his surroundings. He had awful play calling in 2022 with even worse scheme. He did not have anybody quality on the offensive line. Had one okay-ish receiver. And a running game that was inconsistent because Chris Rodriguez was hurt. Like, what what am I supposed to make of Will Levis? Some have said completely eliminate 2022 and look at 2021. Well, you can't always do that. I get the philosophy behind it where there's so much working against him. But I think he's the most volatile of this group and why I would be hesitant to move up anywhere past, like, I'll put an arbitrary number, like, 15 to go get him. There are a lot of questions with Levis that I don't have with the other guys. And to me, he's a scarier prospect. So at this point, a week out, Tyler, what is your best guess? Quarterbacks, the number of quarterbacks, I should say, that go in round one. What's your best guess? I think it's four. Um, I'm not sold on Hendon Hooker. I'm not sold on the hype. Um, most of the people that hype him, um, Brett Coleman kind of exposed on Twitter that they, they're they in the same agency, CAA. Oh. So, like there's correlation equals causation, right? I'm not sold that he's a first round guy, like just from a scouting perspective. And I'm not sold that the NFL believes it either. Like, could it happen? Yeah. But you have a 25 year old coming off a torn ACL playing in an offense that like does not translate very well. Oh, who's talking about Odie, Odie. Odie found a squeaky toy. Oh, good boy. Who's a good boy, Odie? (laughs) That's He's right. a very good boy. He's, He's like, pay attention. You're always in that draft crap, yeah. Tyler. <laughs> pay attention His to me. little zombie. Oh. Odie. I know. He's a, oh, yeah. He's a good boy. But it's – I'm not I'm not sold on Hooker at all. If he was 21, I think, I think you have a better argument because yeah. the things he has to learn – like, it's easier to teach a younger guy. Like, the old dog, new tricks thing. The older you get – it's not necessarily the older you get, but the more experience you have, you get ingrained in your ways. And it's a lot harder to fix bad habits or something that never became a habit. And that's why I have real concerns about him, like with NFL style progressions, with being able to actually be a dual threat. Cause he only runs or he only passes. He doesn't do like, he doesn't scramble the throw. Like that. that's where the, he's not a dual threat. Right. But yeah, I'm not sold on hooker at all. So what what's your sense of where where the uh, Hooker Vikings team came from then? Like, do, do you think it came from CAA? Do you think it came from like I, I'm just I'm curious why that in particular picked up steam because it does seem a little bit odd that to your point a guy that very well could go second round or probably worst case for him third round uh, got enough steam that there have been teams I want to say the Titans have been tied to him in, in the first round which is like the 11th or 12th pick the Vikings at 23. What's your sense of where this sort of gained uh, gained traction that might not be completely truthful? 
I think it's a multiple multiple layers here. One, he's being tied to teams that need a quarterback. We know that quarterback is the most valuable position in football. We know that quarterbacks get overdrafted because of that. I think Will Levis will go in the first round when he got a low second round film grade from me. And I would feel comfortable taking him in the back end of the first round mm-hmm. because you get that surplus value. He does have a lot of good things about him and tools to work with, but it's it's not exactly a, a science where, hey, you're taking him only because he's a first-round quality player. You do that for an offensive lineman, but a quarterback, you're willing to take a little bit more of a gamble. I also think that he did such a great job with the pre-draft process as far as the interviews. Everybody's raved about how great he's been in interviews. Well, that's kind of your steam right there. Positional value, team team quarterback, and great in the interviews. And then you could – there are people who can just talk themselves into – oh, he throws a crisp, clean ball, and oh, he had a, uh, what was it, 57 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio. That It's not that simple. That's why but, like stats can lie, and you have to go and watch the film and contextualize it. If you only do film, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you're only doing stats, you're doing yourself a disservice as well. You have to marry the two, and that's when you're going to get your best answer. And I, I think that people are not doing themselves enough of a service when they're talking about Hendon Hooker. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Tyler, outside of quarterbacks, pick 23 for the Vikings. Let's say they indeed stay put. Who are kind of the likely scenarios you think that will be there? And, and who would you like to see the Vikings take at 23, You know, given the fact of, of the reasonable suspects that should be there? Not necessarily someone falling drastically, but given what we know right now and how the big boards have shaken out, who's who are kind of on your short list for the Vikings to target at pick 23? So let's... Let's go on this question, Declan, that we're going to assume they stay at 23, which I don't think is a certainty at all. I'd say I give them a 5 to 10% chance they stay. But if they do, I think there's a a few guys that I really, really like. And number one on that list is Quentin Johnson from TCU. He's got some question marks. uh, But he's the number three player on my board, and I just love what he does bring to the table. And I think you can teach him the nuance. Like, a lot of these air raid-ish offenses don't teach you the nuance that you need. It doesn't teach you how to utilize leverage and like lean to the outside so you can break inside and create just that little bit of extra space that you need in the NFL. It doesn't teach you, hey, you know, run run more slouch down when you're going a go route so it looks like you might be breaking inside on a slant so you can kind of get them a little flat-footed so you can take off past them. It doesn't teach you nuance. It just teaches you, hey, you're going to run these like six, seven routes and we're going to get you open, and you're going to get open with, with timing, and the ball is going to be there. Like, it's a great college offense, and there's a lot of merits to it. And the NFL runs a lot of air raid stuff now, but you have guys who are running those air raid concepts, like Devontae Adams, who can manipulate you in uh, 10 ways from Sunday. Like, mm-hmm. Johnston doesn't have any of that. He has a, a willingness to block. He can be physical in the open field. He's got incredibly quick feet for somebody his size. And he has the ability to go over the top and is shown to be very, very explosive. 
I love Johnson. I think you can teach him the nuance. You can't teach what he has. Um, another guy, Deontay Banks, the cornerback. Uh, Dame Brugler was the first one on him of anybody in this draft cycle. And I talked to him like, like he kind of came out of nowhere for me. I'm like, what do I need to know? And he sent me two games. I'm like, okay, very, very good. Guy is physical, 999, 99.9th percentile relative athletic score. Fourth most athletic cornerback uh, since the, the combine started. Like that's, that's pretty wild. And when you kind of compare those guys, I think they also fit big needs. I also think a dark horse is Brian Brisset from Clemson. Defensive tackle, explosive, torn ACL in 2021. And then 2022, his defensive coordinator left. And Brent Venables had been at Clemson for a decade, which is really weird for a high-end defensive coordinator. But he took the Oklahoma job. And then his little sister died halfway through the season. So the production was just not there. But you see the explosive traits. He's the 18th ranked recruit of all time, according to 24-7 sports. Like, this dude is big. He's physical. He's incredibly explosive, and he could impact the defensive line. I think if the Vikings were to do anything, those would be my three guesses. Um, but there's a lot of different names, and there have been 54 now different players mocked, according to the industry, to the Vikings at 23. So th- this probably has not been top of mind yet, especially at 23. But, Tyler, where does, with, with the steam about uh, um, Hunter not showing up for it's the optional portion of the off season program, but he's not there. Uh, and he clearly is not pleased, I guess, rightfully so with his contract. Zadarius Smith asked for his release, didn't get it, but he re- remains a question mark. Uh, just entering, I guess this race coming down the stretch late, where does defensive end now and enter this equation? Uh, if the Vikings are not going to pay Daniel and if, you know, Z is 30, but he's got a bad back as well. He was great in the first half of 2022, but no question. I think he had half a sack in like the last eight or nine games. So where could that, where could a a 3-4 outside linebacker who can rush potentially factor in here as a late entry into the conversation? It's always been an interesting one, Judd. And when you look at the Vikings depth chart for 2024, right now it currently sits Darius Smith, who's a big question mark, Patrick Jones the second, and Luigi Villain. That's it. Yeah. They obviously signed the Marcus Davenport to that contract because they want to extend him. They want they want to keep him here long term, but they want proof of concept before they end up committing to him. And I completely understand and agree with that. Hunter is a big question mark because of the contract, and he's at that age where you still might be able to get some premium assets for him. I have no idea what it'll be worth. My guess is the Khalil Mack contract, the two or trade to two and a six, is what he got last year. I would guess. That's probably the market for him considering his previous injury history. And you're going to also have to pay him buku bucks. Uh, But if they took one, I wouldn't be shocked because it would probably be a best player available like a Miles Murphy, who's an absolute athletic freak, uh, kind of built in the same mold as Marcus Davenport, more of a power guy, very explosive, long. uh, And if they took one, it makes sense for both now and later, which is what I think this, this, front office regime is going to try to do more project forward rather than right now. They didn't draft Andrew Booth Jr. and a Caleb Evans to play last year. They drafted them to play this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that how they continue to approach the draft is going to be interesting because you can make a great argument for edge. You just listed uh, Tyler, a bunch of edge players and and more pass rushers at 
they don't have a lot of them. There's not a surplus there. It's a bit of a cause for concern. Cornerback is kind of a similar story. Uh, which area, at least for, for you, I know both of them are one and two, but which one to you is more important to address in the draft this year, defensive end or pass rushers, I should say, pass rushers or cornerbacks? Which avenue is, uh, is much more of a bigger need for the Vikings? That's an interesting question because I, I haven't been super high on quarterbacks at a huge need. The Vikings are going into this draft believing in Andrew Booth Jr. and a Caleb Evans. They believe they're going to get like starting caliber play out of them this year. If you're going in like that, you don't need a first-round corner. You, you want to get one more body in the room, but cornerback's a weakling system. Don't have somebody atrocious. Just have capable. And the Vikings didn't have that because they played Chandon Sullivan over 1,000 snaps last year. So when you kind of piece all that together, I think if you're going to get one singular player, and that's kind of how I'm quantifying the needs, I need one guy to be like at their best. I think edge rusher is probably the priority as far as a long-term need. You can get a cornerback in round three, round four. There are quite a few guys I like in that range that I think could be potential starters for this team. But with it being a weakling system, I would prefer to just generate a pass rush and continue to develop guys on the outside. On corner, I guess my feeling about Quazy and Kevin, that, that they're concerned because you you're right. I think the expectation now. I do think that the Vikings. It, it would have been nice if they had gotten a little bit more from at least a portion of the 2022 draft class, Tyler. But um, I do think that the expectation or or the uh, statement that it's a bust already is premature. On corner, though, where I'm a little bit concerned about those two players is not necessarily talent. It's injury. I, I mean, Booth fell. Booth was probably a first round pick, but fell because of what? injuries in college, and that then transferred to the Vikings. Evans really concerns me because, if I'm not mistaken, he had three concussions. And, like, at some point mm-hmm. in time, you can't have a lot more before a doctor says, shut it down. So I'm with you totally on talent and development, but I wonder what their internal feeling is or discussions on the fact that the most important thing, obviously, is keeping those two guys, or at least one of those two guys, on the field to which there are question marks, and if that might alter their philosophy based on if both go down again, it gets to be a problem. Now, I, I know they just signed this guy from the Patriots in the past couple days, but, I mean, you've got Murphy and then hopefully the two young kids. But outside of that, if they can't play, you got problems now. Absolutely agree. And I think that's where they're really trusting their, uh, their A-plus report card uh, for the training staff. And it, yeah, just to so. make sure that they can keep these guys healthy. Um, I think if they end up taking a cornerback early, they have more questions about the health of both of those guys than we have realized. But based on kind of the tone that I've sensed from Quasey and Kevin during press conferences, I don't think they're all that concerned long-term for either of those guys. Um, concussions are a very weird injury. Yeah. I am not a medical expert. But once you have the first one, it's incredibly, it's much easier to get your second and your third. And sometimes you can completely pass concussion protocol and still be like extremely susceptible to them. And that's why like Darisaw had two in eight, like eight days. Uh, Evans had three in two months. Yeah. Like if, if you don't let those things fully heal, Sidney Crosby sat out what, like an entire season because yep. of a concussion. Yep. Like they're very fickle and you have to be really careful with them. And sometimes the symptoms can go away, but it's still not fully healed. So I think they're betting on Evans being 100%. 
and not having to worry about long-term concussions with everything they have in place. But, and then Booth's knee, like uh, Patella, then a meniscus, it's not great, but they obviously went the safe route with the meniscus injury, which I think was a smart play. And you still have stuff like the ACL, MCL completely intact. So I'm a little less concerned about that, but it's still worrisome when you have multiple knee injuries. How prepared are you for next Thursday to arrive? Oh God, just please be here now. I'm I'm going absolutely ballistic seeing all these all these takes and all these people getting told information and just puppeting it, not even trying to vet it. It just it just it, I'm to a point where I just I want it to be over and I just want to literally just talk ball with people who aren't going nuts. Um it, I will say it's gonna be a very chaotic NFL draft for this franchise. Yep. In a good way. I think they're gonna they're gonna make steps to try and make this a great team. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think this draft could be great fun too. Like I, I have no idea. Like the quarterbacks, all, all of this, the potential trades, and don't, don't forget too. A week from today, which is next Thursday, it's going to be the Surly Draft Party at Park mm-hmm. Tavern with the Score North crew there, Mackie Declan, yours truly, Tyler. I, I believe you're going to join us uh, via um, via YouTube because you'll obviously be churning stuff out for. Vikings Wire, check that out. We're going to uh, start meet and greet sort of at 6 o'clock and then go live with a show, 7 p.m. to the conclusion of the draft. The 11th frame, Park Tavern, Before I Die, will uh, re-debut with the Surly crew as well. It's going to be a great time. I'm with you. Let's get there. Tyler, thanks much, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good.